Time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. What Joseph and Chris present to you. Saturday morning cartoon! Hello everybody and welcome to Saturday morning cartoon. Boom! Well, that was a weird one. That one got a little reverb there. Yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> bouncing back and forth all over the place. Right, that was a huge explosion. <laughs> anyway, this is a show where we wake up with a Saturday morning sun, plop down on the living room floor with a big bowl of sugary cereal, and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And this morning, we watched... Voltron, Legendary Defender. Also legendary because it's harking back to the 84 Voltron, since this is a 2016 reboot that can be found on Netflix. And I'm sure everyone's seen, maybe not watched it by now, but they've seen it on the front page of Netflix shows. This was created by Lauren Montgomery and Joaquim Dos Santos, both known for their work on Avatar The Last Airbender and its sequel, Legend of Korra. And also, the head writer of this is Tim Hedrick, who is also a fellow teammate of those two. This is produced by DreamWorks Animation Television and World Events Productions. So far, it's been one season, 11 episodes, 13 if you count the first one as the three episodes that it really is. Um, But it's slated for at least 78. So let's hope that it can make it there. They've got to, because they left us on a cliffhanger. They really did. Spoilers. Yeah. (laughs) We'll get there, though. There's probably going to be spoilers in this episode, just FYI. No, absolutely. But it's only the first season, so who knows what's going to happen after this. As I said, you can find this on Netflix. That's currently the only place that it's airing right now. For a short synopsis, five Earth teens, Keith, Lance, Hunk, Pidge, and Shiro, who became the last line of defense for the galaxy in an intergalactic battle against the evil alien force led by King Zarkon. I don't think Shiro's really a teen. Like, yeah. Shiro's totally, like, 30 years old or something. <laughs> yeah, Shiro has like, to he be. Is, he's got some gray hair and stuff. Like, that dude is, uh, he's seen some shit. Well, like- <laughs> it all, I think that also happened because of him being taken away in the first episode. That could be. Because that was only a year that he was gone. When he was abducted, he didn't have gray hair. And he comes back with like a big white patch in the front and stuff. Who knows? I don't know how old Shiro's supposed to be. There's no way he's a teen. That dude's at least... Well, okay, that's fair. At least in his 20s. At least in his 20s. And I would say mid to late. I would say late 20s. I'll give you that. That's fine. Yeah, definitely. So, Chris, who are some actors that play the characters in this show? Strap in, because we're about to hit all of them. Nice. Because this is a cool list. This is a really cool list. This is probably one of the more exciting casts I've seen um, in a while. Mm-hmm. So the character of Shiro, voiced by Josh Keaton, we've already heard him as Hal Jordan in the Green Lantern animated series. Mm-hmm. The character of Lance was voiced by Jeremy Shada, who is Finn in Adventure Time. The character of Hunk was voiced by Tyler Labine. I love this dude. I love Tyler <laughs> Labine so much that it's creepy. <laughs> because he's one of my favorite comedic actors in a super, super underrated... Uh, well, he's done a ton of stuff that's super underrated. He is Dale in Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, which is a great movie. Oh, and yeah. is finally getting a sequel. Oh, really? Nice. Yes. And um, he's also a character named Sock, Burt Weissaki, but they call him Sock for short, in my favorite TV show ever called Reaper. It, it, <laughs> that show is so ridiculous and funny. 
and he plays the best character I've ever seen on television. He makes me laugh every single time. Nice. This is the only cartoon I think that he's voiced, at least that I know of so far. But this dude, like, his voice lends perfect for animation, especially, like, goofy characters. So I hope he does more stuff in the future. The character of Pidge was voiced by Bex Taylor Klaus, who is Sin in Arrow, and also played the character of Bullet from The Killing, both other amazing shows. The Killing is fantastic and also kind of like a possibly unheard of show if I think it was a Netflix only maybe. Uh, no, the last season was Netflix only. So definitely check out The Killing if you haven't. It's awesome. Character of Keith, voiced by Stephen Yun, who is Glenn from The Walking Dead. The character of Allura, voiced by Kimberly Brooks, who has done lots of cartoons, including Static Shock, Mucha Lucha, Ben 10, and she voices Ashley Williams in the Mass Effect series. Hmm. Some of these characters aren't going to appear in every episode, but these are some interesting people, so I chose to include these as well. Character Rolo was voiced by Norman Reedus, which I know everyone knows is Daryl from The Walking Dead, but I first knew him in The Boondock Saints. Oh, of course. And I still love him in The Boondock Saints. I don't care about Daryl, but I love the Saints. (laughs) (laughs) The character of Corrin was voiced by Rise Darby, who is a better well-known over in the United Kingdom. He was in Flight of the Concords. He's also in this really popular kind of goofy series called Short Poppies, um, which we now have a somewhat American counterpart called um, Hidden America, hosted by Jonah Ray from the Nerdist podcast. So if you like Jonah Ray, who is also actually in the new Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, nice. He's he's, he's in all kinds of stuff. So anyway, um, Character of Zarkon, voiced by Neil Kaplan, who's been in Transformers, Digimon, and he's been in pretty much all the best games that have come out in the last decade, things like The Last of Us, Bioshock Infinite, lots of really good ones. And the last character, the character Hagar, the witch, was voiced by Cree Summer, who has popped up in so many of our shows. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mommy's of, Alive. She's been in all kinds of stuff. Out of everyone, all the names that we've ever mentioned on here, I think Cree Summers is one that has reoccurred more than anyone else. She's definitely popped up the most. I think the second would be Frank Welker, but I think she's even beat him as far as appearing on our show. Yeah, absolutely. So let me go ahead and give you a few tasty marshmallows out of our big bowl of Voltron cereal. For one... This was animated by the South Korean animation studio Studio Mir, who also produced the majority of the animations for Legend of Korra. Also, many elements are homage to the original Japanese version of the Voltron Beast King Golion, which is the show that Voltron originally derived from. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that was the name? Voltron it, no, Beast no. King? What? It wasn't even called Voltron at all. It was called Beast King Golion. And I'll, and I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something interesting about that in a minute when I get to it. And that was actually from 1981. There were a lot of callbacks in this particular reboot to the original series, which was like uh, Altea. Planet Eris is in the original American series, but Altea is what it was in Japan. Then was renamed to Shiro. See. I was wondering where he went because they brought back the names of all the other characters. So I was like, where the heck did Sven go? Yeah, he is essentially got replaced with Shiro. And thankfully, because I also watched the original Voltron, the first episode of it. And Sven had this horrible accent. He was a very unlikable character. 
Plus, that's a stupid name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to any listeners we have that might be named Sven. Sorry, Sven. <laughs> and also, the Galra Empire used to be called the Drool Empire in um <laughs> in, in, Amer- in the, the American drool? version. Yeah, D-R-U-L-E. In the American oh. version, that's what it was called. So, in the Japanese version, it was the Galra Empire. So, that's luckily, they kept that version. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And lastly, this is going to be a little bit of a long one, but it's going to tell a little bit of the story of the creation of Ultron. The Japanese Future Robot Daltanius series was originally planned to be adapted by World Events Productions as one of the acts of Voltron Defenders of the Universe series, the original one in the United States. The intention was for Voltron to have three series made up of Daltanius, Diruger 15, the vehicle Voltron, and Albagos, the gladiator Voltron. When America requested the master tape from Toei Animation for translation purposes of Daltanius, the producers just requested the ones with the lion in it. And mistakenly, Toei then gave them Beast King Go Lion, which was a completely different show, but another combining robot show. And that's what we now know as Voltron. That's crazy. I know. It was Voltron was supposed to be a completely different show, and it was given this one by mistake. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of a weird, a little bit of a backstory on Voltron in general. Yeah, that's cool, though. I think that's a really cool uh, tidbit right there. It's it's really interesting. And it's interesting also because that's also what ended up being the most popular, What basically what Voltron is known as now. Like nobody remembers the vehicle Voltron. Nobody remembers the right. other forms of Voltron. It's all about the lion Voltron. And that was yeah. never supposed to be in the first place. So I just thought that was really cool. That's really weird. And, you know, I got to imagine like how many things do we have now that basically came from Voltron, like Power Rangers, like the Megazords and everything like that totally took some things from Voltron. As, I mean, the freaking Sabertooth Tiger is basically one of the Voltron lines. I well, mean, let's true. be honest. Yeah, I mean, so I'm sure there's a lot of inspiration for that, but Power Rangers is a whole different thing. That's something we can cover later, but it was based on some kind of Super Sentai in Japan. Uh, I don't know. There's a whole lot to this. I w- Once we watched Battle of the Planets and I fell down that rabbit hole, I started looking up all these different shows like Power Rangers and like Voltron because I wanted to see what their originals were like. And there's so much that was changed. It's ridiculous. There could be a separate wow. podcast in and of itself on the differences between the American version and the Japanese version of some of these shows that we remember from childhood. I smell a spinoff. I think it's just whatever I had for dinner, I think is on its way out. <laughs> so, Chris, before I fall any further down that rabbit hole, what memories do you have of Voltron? I have some memories. I This was not... One of the shows that I watched a lot as a kid, but it's one that I watched occasionally. Uh, I remember having a friend that used to watch it, and I remember having a sleepover at his house once, and the next morning, we watched a little bit of it, so I was familiar with it. Just enough to remember, like, I knew what Voltron was, I knew the lions, I knew the main characters to an extent. I remember hating Pidge, and I remember hating Hunk, and thankfully, that's changed. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. And, I, and Sven. Sven was really stupid. <laughs> I loved Princess Allura, and I was disappointed. See, in the show, from and you can tell me if this is wrong, from the, the, the original cartoon, I remember that she, at least for a time, was piloting one of the lions, right? Wasn't she part of the team? Right, because one of the other pilots got injured, so she had to take over the role of, I think, the blue uh, lion. Yeah, I want to say it was Sven 
that was injured mm-hmm. that she took over for. Because I remember Allura and Lance and Keith and Pidge and Hunk, I think, was the team that I really saw. I remember a spin, but I don't remember him so much as, like, piloting and stuff like that. But, I don't know. And they switched some of the, the colors for the Lions with this team, right? Because Lance was in the blue lion this time, whereas in the, the original it was Sven in the blue lion who was replaced by Allura. And then Keith, wasn't Keith in the black lion in the original or was he in the red? I think so. I can't remember now, but yeah, I know there were some change-ups of the order that they were in and obviously the formation of the team in general. And I also like, I, and I could be wrong because like I haven't seen this since I was a kid, but I distinctly... I think I remember Keith being the leader, but maybe I'm wrong. No, you're right. Uh, Keith okay. was the the level-headed leader one. Keith like, was essentially Shiro what is... Shiro is now. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So they just they kind of changed up the uh the roles a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was familiar with Voltron coming into this, but I can't say that I really watched the original version too much as a child. Uh, the most I could have told you about it before we watched the reboot was that Voltron was a giant robot made out of five other cat-like robots, similar to the Power Rangers Megazord. That would have been my comparison because I, I knew of those. I may have had the toys or something or seen the toys. I don't know. I, I just remember that being around. Uh, I did go back and watch the very first episode, but it didn't actually have the formation of Voltron in it. Unfortunately, it was just telling the backstory to get there. But I did get to see that the voice acting and that was absolutely dreadful. Some of the characters. Oh, Pidge was terrible. Pidge had the worst voice actor. I I hated that. Yeah, I think that might be one of the reasons that I didn't watch Voltron was because I hated Pidge. And I thought the character of Hunk just fell completely flat. So, like, I could not get into it. Yeah. Actually, what's interesting is Hunk was probably one of the most unchanged characters between the original and this reboot. I think they, they gave him a better sense of humor. I feel like he had more personality. I think in general, this time. I think in general, they gave the series more of a sense of humor than they did in the original. The original oh, one was sure. very serious. but This one was right. It's serious. Yes, but it also has a lot of levity to it. It's very lighthearted in some spots. So, yeah, I mean, let's just say the reboot took everything the 80s Voltron was going for and gave us something that the longtime fans and complete newcomers can both appreciate. I think that this time around, they did it right. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Like I said, this it was a show that I didn't care for much as a kid. And now I'm like, dude, I need more. I, I have to watch all of it. I need to read the comics. I need all of this. Yeah, exactly. So before, I mean, that was kind of a mini review of my own already, but let's go ahead and jump into the three episodes we watched for today's show. Very first episode, highest rated episode, and finally a random listener chosen episode, or it may vary depending on how these episodes fall chronologically. But of course, we have to start with the very first episode, which was The Rise of Voltron. And that was actually the first three episodes, if you're counting it. I mean, it it was like an hour long, a little over an hour. Yeah, I didn't figure that out until like I was almost done with it. I'm like, man. Like, I like this, but I feel like it's been going on a while. And then I pause Netflix. I'm like, oh, I'm 50 minutes in. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I see how it is. I see how that works. So this one, it does give us just that intro to the characters. uh, Overwhelmed, but ready for action. Five aspiring Mm -hmm. space explorers learn that they have the power to create Voltron, the most powerful robot in the universe. I got to tell you, right off the bat, 
I could tell that this was written by the team that did Avatar, The Last Airbender, and Legend of Korra. Because that that same writing style, that personality, and that sense of humor, like, was just right there in your face, right from the get-go. And it, and it worked perfectly in this cartoon. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it was... Oh, my gosh. They, they nailed it. I mean... They took this thing that I was kind of like, yeah, I could take it or leave it, and made me like love it uh, in the way that I love The Last Airbender and I love Legend of Korra. So, and you can totally recognize the animation style right away too. I love the animation style of this show. It, man, they do such a good job. It's just they they use some of the classic anime tropes in some of the facial expressions and things like that. So, so, like the weird things they might do with the eyes or the mouth that you would see in typical anime. But it is so much crisper and cleaner than most animes are. So like, I, I just honestly, I feel like they just kind of, they polished. It's like everything that came before they used and they put it together better than anime has done in the past. And then they polished it and made it even shinier. So yeah, it, they, it was really, really good job. Let's backtrack a little bit and talk about kind of the intro to these characters, because it, it is much different from the original Voltron, the original Voltron. They're just kind of all together already and just tossed into this mix and boom, they're pilots of Voltron. But in this one, there's much more of a, a cognizant story to it. We have Lance Pidge and Hunk, who are in a like a training academy just to to train to be defenders of uh, well I say defenders already but they're training to be just kind of the police force of their area of space it, it almost seems kind of like um almost like space national guard sort right. of thing yeah exactly so nothing yeah. nothing too grandiose but still something very important they're they're essentially working for the military yeah. Earlier in the episode, well, as the episode started, we got to see where Shiro comes in with these two, at this point, unknown uh, pilots or unknown other pilots who are on a, a scientific mission to try to find some sort of natural resource on another planet or a sign of life or something to that effect. And then the Galra Empire comes in with their giant ship and abducts them. And that's where it jumps over to one year later in this academy where we get to we get to meet up with Lance Pidge and Hunk and get their story started. This this Galra ship lands on the planet. It just kind of crashes into the planet and it has Shiro aboard it. But he's confused. He doesn't know exactly like where he is or what's going on. He's lost track of all the time that led up to this point. This is also where we're introduced to Keith, who comes in to try to save Shiro because this whole time we find out that he's been kicked out of the academy. Yeah, he's got like a temper. Yeah. He got in trouble a lot. Exactly. And, uh, you know, let's um, real quick, let's kind of get into their personalities just really fast, too. Because right off the bat, you get introduced to like Lance Pidge and Hunk. Mm -hmm. And Lance is very like um, Lance could be good <laughs> at what he does. He could, but he's really goofy. He's he kind of smarts off. He doesn't take things very seriously. He is basically, if if we're la relating this back to Avatar again, he's Sokka. That that is exactly his personality. He is he is like Sokka from the Last Airbender. Um, and then we have Hunk, who is very reluctant to get into trouble. He's kind of a probably shouldn't be in space because he constantly gets airsick. He he <laughs> yeah. throws up all the time. Yeah, but he loves. 
technology and he's constantly trying to fiddle with stuff and mm-hmm. it gets on Pidge's nerves yeah. for sure. Cause Pidge, Pidge is extremely intelligent and kind of a bookworm has all this, um, technology and gear and stuff like that. And, and Pidge has a couple secrets that we don't know for a while. We, we end up learning one by the end of this episode, but the other, we don't know for a while. Pidge is very smart and very helpful, but also very guarded at the same time. And then Keith, always follows his his gut like he is the act first think later kind of person and shiro is basically like full-fledged military Mm -hmm. you know he is a natural leader goes by the books he 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 goes with what's right he puts others um ahead of himself he puts the mission above everything like if if we wanted to sum it up basically the the five of them end up together Mm-hmm. Find out Keith has been intercepting some sort of energy signal. Pidge happens to have intercepted something similar, and they and they figure out where it's coming from, and so they follow it, and it leads to one of the Voltron lions, the Blue Lion, which starts talking to Lance in his head. So they get in it, yeah. Which that seems like a smart thing to do. <laughs> well, I gotta say, if I ran into a giant lion like that, I would probably get in it too. I couldn't help myself. If something in my head is telling me to do something, I'm obviously going to do it. Probably should do it. Yeah. Yeah, probably. That's probably safe. (laughs) A uh, wormhole opens up and the blue lion takes them through and they end up in this um, castle thing where these people are sleeping in these tubes and they wake them up and you get Princess Allura and she's like, hey, what's up? Why have I been asleep so long? It's been like 10,000 years. We also get Corin, who is hilarious. He is one of my favorite parts of this show. Everything this guy says is just great. Like right from the get go, he's like trying to start a fight with the others and him and Lance are like both kind of morons in their own way. Yeah. So they're like acting like they're going to duke it out and stuff. And everyone else is just kind of shaking their heads like, oh boy. So basically the princess kind of tells them the legend of Voltron, why it's important and that the Galra Empire is after it, and that they have to keep it out of their hands because she finds out the Zarkon is still alive. So basically, they have to go out and they have to locate the other lions so that they can, for one, keep it out of their hands, and for two, stop Zarkon once and for all. Yes, yeah, so I guess that kind of wraps up the episode. We we could really, there's so much that happens in this episode. To talk about it all would take up way more time than we have. So just suffice it to say, they all go on separate little missions to find their lions that they're tied to. And I'll just right. give you their colors real quick. Lance is blue, Keith is red, Pidge is green, Hunk is yellow, and Shiro, being the leader, is the largest lion, the black lion. And that lion was one that they they had to find the other four before they could find the fifth. Right. Which I, I thought was kind of cool. And honestly, like, they, they put so much kind of, like, mysticism and legend into this, more than the original series did. Oh, yeah. That it was so much more satisfying each time they tracked one of the lions down because there's just kind of a prestige to the lions themselves. So it was really neat. Yeah, one interesting thing and i don't know if they're gonna maybe touch on this a little bit later in the show or if they're gonna drop it all together but the way that it happened in the original show was hagar actually split voltron voltron was just a single uh mech and then hagar was the one who split it apart into the five lion pieces it wasn't originally that at all hagar was one that uh uh-huh hagar was one who split it up and in this one 
it was built by Allura's father originally. Uh, well, at least his her father took some part in constructing the Voltron Lions. I would be interested to know who all the former pilots were, because right. in the last episode we find out who used to pilot the Black Lion, and I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I thought that was that a was really cool addition. Oh, also, let's talk about their uh, uh, what are they called? Bayards. Their their the weapons that they hold. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, they have. They each uh, have their own. They each have their own, but all they are is these little hand kind of pieces. But they turn into specific weapons to fit the user. The only one who's missing theirs, which also ties into who we find out as the Black Lion's pilot at the end, is Shiro's. But he, having been captured by the Gaur Empire, had one of his arms removed, or presumably, at least the way that I'm thinking of it, is he lost it in a fight, maybe lost one of his arms, because they were constantly put into battle with one another for Gaur amusement. And then he got a cybernetic one, sort of a, a plasma arm. And so that's his weapon in lieu of having no original Voltron weapon of his own. Okay, so so let's move away from the first episode because that was just an intro to everything. And now people know more about Voltron than they probably ever cared to. <laughs> Is it like our episode's like half over and we only got through the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the second episode that we watched, which was Taking Flight, Season 1, Episode 6. I, I chose this episode kind of because it was the middle point and also because this is where Pidge does reveal one of Pidge's secrets. And I won't say what that secret was. I'll let you watch that and find out for yourself. But- I just, I love that when when Pidge finally says it, Lance is like, what? And everyone's just like, yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> Like minutes later, like everyone else has kind of moved on and Lance is still freaking out like what? Yeah. But then Lance is also surprised that the castle is also a ship. Like he's just been lost this whole time. (laughs) He hasn't been paying a lot of attention. (laughs) Lance is very much about the ladies. And in this one, we actually get a good, uh, well, good slash bad representation of that actually that's another reason why i chose this episode is because it had rollo in it who is played by norman reedus so i wanted to tie that into the walking dead thing with steven young lance's character just cracks me up like he he's constantly like hitting on allura then he meets this alien with rollo and immediately starts hitting on her yeah and like she doesn't even she's not even close to looking like human and he's like all over it like he's in (laughs) love immediately just because it's a female i also like how pidge fell in love with the robot because (laughs) because (laughs) because of pidge's love for technology i just thought that was really funny that was funny because obviously like it was kind of like whereas the the female alien i don't remember her name was kind of like giggling and you know flirting a little with lance the little robots like scared and like trying to get away from pidge and pidge (laughs) won't stop like poking and prodding (laughs) right so yeah this episode was a really fun one but at its core it was kind of a serious thing where hunk is trying to get back to this planet balmera where he's made a promise to this person or this this kind of rock alien shay that he would come back to save her and her people and what interrupts this is this distress call that they're getting and because they're the paladins of voltron they have to go to help those in need and right. this is much to hunk's dismay because he really wants it almost feels like he has a thing for this shay person but i really feel <laughs> like a lot of it is just his heart's kind of in the right place and he really wants to help save these people it kind of cracks me up because that makes more sense to me now because i didn't i didn't watch the whole series you watched the whole series oh, so yeah. i didn't know who shay was 
And Pidge was like, oh, Hunk just misses his girlfriend. And, he, and he's like, she's not my girlfriend. She's my rock. And oh, I was yeah. Like, what? That, I guess that wouldn't make sense to you. But yeah. <laughs> right. I was like. Yeah, they're kind of like so rock confused. people. But okay. Yeah. Um, I got to say real quick that I'm not going to say what Pidge's secret is, but it makes so much more sense the way they did it. And this versus the original version, so much more sense. Yeah. And now I like Pidge's character even more. So they go to this planet to uh, respond to this distress call and we get Rolo, this female alien and this robot who are quote unquote stranded and Hunk is being very impatient and he instantly doesn't trust them in part because he wants to hurry up and get this over with and in part because they were betrayed in a previous episode or not betrayed necessarily, but they had a, a spot in a previous episode where there was a bomb that was stuck into the castle and really kind of messed things up and really almost got Lance killed, which we see a little bit of in the beginning. The I lead was into wondering this what happened, why he was he was basically in kind of like cryostasis. Yeah. Like healing. Mm hmm. Yes. And when he came out, it was funny because nobody noticed at first <laughs> <laughs> that he was even better. Right. Everybody was just talking amongst <laughs> themselves. But yeah. uh, so, yeah. So Hunk is just trying to rush this along. He doesn't trust these people. We find out that's for good reason because yeah. they are mercenaries essentially, and they plan yeah, to betray. They're basically him. like space pirates. Yeah, they like yeah. hijack. Yeah, exactly. One of the lions. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the the one the girl that Lance keeps flirting with, she is totally playing him. Oh yeah, and she is like, oh, like you know, you should take me on the on your lion, and he's like, well, you know, we just had something happen. I don't think it'd be good, and she's like, oh, okay. I bet Keith would bring me on his lion. And then he immediately is like, I'll take you. And yeah, <laughs> then they fly around and they land on a planet and they get a little close. And then she basically handcuffs him to a tree. <laughs> yeah. Handcuffs him to a tree. And he thinks it's exciting at first, but then he's like, oh, wait, no, this isn't. He was excited for another reason. He's like, oh, yeah. And then he's like, oh, oh, you know. So, yeah, they, they steal the blue lion and they're taking it to the Gower Empire for A, for a pardon from stealing from them in the past and B, for the financial reward, obviously. Right. And um, doesn't work out. No. Because Voltron is going to catch up. Yeah. The, the other lions are going to catch up. And I love how it showed. So Rolo tries to pilot or starts to pilot through an asteroid field that he's very familiar with. And then they send Keith through because Keith is the one, the only one, I guess, with the piloting skills to be able to navigate yeah. this field like this. And it's awesome watching him kind of go through it and yeah, it uh, have that standoff with that ship by himself. This is one thing I really appreciated about this show was normally in shows like um, the original Voltron or Power Rangers, things like that. You never really get to see the robots when they're not in their full form when they're not part of Voltron doing anything like they're just kind yeah, of side characters right. and you're waiting for them to merge into Voltron. However, yeah, the lions in this are actually really useful as a singular, like they can actually do things. They have functions and they are useful. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where it's kind of like if, if they formed into Voltron in every episode, there would be nothing special about Voltron. Exactly. You know, it, it would just eventually be like, okay, we know the formula for every show. Mm -hmm. At the end, they'll turn into Voltron and they'll stop the bad guy. You know, kind of like Power Rangers, uh, at least the first incarnation, that was how every episode ended. 
the, the Rita would be like, let my monster grow. And then, <laughs> and then it would get big and then be like, all right, well, let's just put these things together and make a big old robot and we'll beat it up. And then we'll just, you know, go back to school. Right. So yeah, I, I like that they didn't do that here that you didn't see Voltron all that often. I mean, they definitely used them, but not all the time. Right. And not even every episode. And that was really great. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it, like you said, it did make him, it did make Voltron's full transformation special. Yeah. And, and I do like too, that when they finally do catch back up with Rolo, that, Rolo kind of like confesses himself, you know, he's just like, this is why I did it. And I don't blame you guys for like wanting to like abandon me somewhere. Like that's totally cool. But for what it's worth, I hope you stop Zarkon. Like, I hope you win. Like, it's kind of like a, you know, I know what I did sucked, but you know, I was just doing it to survive and I hope you understand. And I hope you guys actually win. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool exchange because they didn't have to say anything. And that made it even better that they didn't respond at all, at least not to where we could hear. And so, yeah, it just made it a really powerful statement. And it makes you actually kind of feel for him a little bit. Whereas before, you're just like, oh, this guy's a jerk. Like he's all doing it all for himself. And then you actually get to see a little bit of his motive, like why he did it. And he's just as much of a victim as everyone else who is not part of the Galra Empire. Oh, yeah, I got to tell you, like the best the best villains or the best bad guys or the most interesting characters are the ones that even if they do something bad, you can sympathize with why they did it. Exactly. So let's jump into the last episode that we watched for today's show. The Black Paladin season one, episode 11. This was the highest rated and for good reason. This was a great episode. It was the last episode of the season, but also an amazing episode, a great culmination of everything that led up to that point. Yeah, man, they start off with a bang in this episode. So from the previous episode, Zarkon has captured Allura and Voltron, the team of Voltron is is going back to get her. And dude, they aren't messing around like they are fighting an army right off the bat. Like Mm -hmm. the first 10 minutes, they are just basically fighting legions of his guys piloting their ships and stuff like that. And lots of fighting, lots of explosions. And then freaking um, Hagar, holy crap, like does something and just and rips Voltron apart back into the lions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like they were not expecting that. That totally threw the team for a loop. So yeah. that was cool. Yeah. Voltron comes in like slicing through these large armada ships and uh, it looks like they have the upper hand until they get ripped apart like that. So and we find out who the Black Lion's original owner was, which happened to be zarkon leader of the galra empire that's crazy that blew my mind when i saw it at first because maybe it's something that was part of the original voltron i don't know but man this was like oh why didn't i see that like that that makes so much sense i did not see it coming and and now it makes me like i want to know who the rest of the team was yeah like obviously some point zarkon i'm assuming betrayed somebody Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, you know, that that's what had to have happened. Something made him turn on the others and then Voltron got put away and they couldn't find it and all kinds of stuff. I, I really want to know that story now. I want to know what Zarkon did. I want to know why the Lions of Voltron got put into hiding and, and how it all took place. And it just added this whole huge depth to this series that we didn't have before this episode. 
it was already a deep show and all of a sudden it was just like, oh, that was just this one little part of the iceberg. Here's everything else. Here's the buffet after your little appetizer plate that you just had. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, I need the buffet. (laughs) (laughs) I need all of it. Yeah. It's crazy to see that. Like there's so many side stories that this show has and so many directions they can go with the episodes. They've already made it out to be such an interesting universe, even in the first season. So I'm really curious to see where that goes. Yeah, we also see why Shiro doesn't have his Voltron weapon is because Zarkon still has it. And Zarkon has mastered this thing to the point where he can make pretty much any weapon he wants out of it. And I thought that was an awesome thing to see. He's making swords. He's making axes. He's making whatever whatever fits his purpose right now. He's taking on the Red Lion by himself on foot. And yeah, that not just in shows a ship. not in a ship. <laughs> just that shows how powerful Zarkon is. But Zarkon yeah. also is over ten thousand years old. Somehow, we're not sure exactly what this backstory is on that. But he's been alive for at least that long because this is ten thousand years after the original Voltron crew uh, was retired or whatever. Yeah, the stopped being Voltron. Stopped being for Voltron. Reason. Exactly. Yeah. Um. I, I'm assuming it has something to do with Hagar. I'm. I'm sure is why he's still alive that's just my guess yeah it's probably yeah right he's so powerful i mean oh my gosh is he powerful he yeah like he was going toe-to-toe with the actual mech and him just out in space keith hits him with like everything he's got i mean just blasts the snot out of him and dude just stands up and kind of laughs it off i'm like oh my gosh and he even gets Keith to the point where he's about to make the finishing blow. And then luckily, Shiro is rescued from Hagar and gets back into the Black Lion to pilot it. Doesn't kill Zarkon or anything, but at least blast him out of the way so that they can escape. The Paladins know at that point that they are outmatched and they need to just flee. Now that they've saved Allura and now Shiro too. So they just right. need to cut their losses and run. And that's really interesting to see in a cartoon like this is you don't usually see the good guys have to retreat. Yeah, exactly. Especially in cartoons, the bad guys don't usually win, but Zarkon won this time. Yeah. I mean, they still rescued the princess, but Zarkon basically won the battle. Yeah, Zarkon really got to show them at that point what they were up against because they underestimated him up to that point, especially Keith trying to go toe to toe with them. I mean, you would assume that in your lion mech, you could take a single person out, but just wasn't the case. Keith seemed to not really have a whole lot of a chance, honestly. And then what happens at the end of this episode is what opens it up for so many different things. I don't know exactly where it's going to go from here, but they are going through a wormhole that Allura was able to open so that they could escape. And at that time, Hagar cast another dark spell on this portal. It it, it like split up the team and they got sucked into their own wormholes, right? Yeah. Like it put, it made the wormhole like dysfunctional. And so they got separated and they don't know where they're going to end up. And then it's over. And then this, the season's over. So that's a perfect way to close out a season. And leave us excited and waiting for more. And I love to, and like, I love even more that they did not win the battle against Zarkon because that means like, you know, I I hate seeing in shows or movies or something like that where you fight the bad guy, but they're still the bad guy at the end. So, you know, they're just going to end up fighting the guy again later. And it's like, yeah, they're going to end up fighting Zarkon again, but they didn't win last time. You know, it's kind of like the first Rocky movie where he does not beat Apollo Creed. 
until the second movie. The first movie, he he goes toe-to-toe with him, but he loses, and that makes it interesting because it's like, yeah, they can go up against him. Maybe they'll be a little more prepared, but he was already better, and now he has more time to prepare, too. Basically, it's just it's escalating, and I'm really interested to see how far it goes. I think this is just a really interesting episode and a great way to tie up the season. So, Chris, it's about time we call down our inner kids in their lion cub mechs and have them take the form of Dorktron, Defender of Nostalgiaverse, to see what they thought of Voltron, Legendary Defender. Oh my god, Voltron is awesome. Big lion robots that make a bigger robot? Yeah. Plus, Lance is super funny, and he makes really funny fart jokes, and Hunk is funny, and Pidge isn't an annoying stupid piece of crap this time, like the last show. And Princess Allura is really pretty, and she can come visit me and my lion any day. I give this show five bowls of assorted color robot cat cereal out of five, and now I have to go watch the rest. Bye! Fans are generally very wary when it comes to the rebooting of classic cartoons. This holds especially true when there is such a large following of the original series, as it can be extremely difficult to meet the unreasonably high expectations that enthusiasts sometimes have. Fortunately, I'm happy to report that the Voltron reboot has completely exceeded said expectations. It's action-packed, comical, heartfelt, and the animation style, of course, is absolutely stunning. Never have I wanted to fly a giant animal-shaped robot around in space more than I do right now. As such, I will definitely be giving Voltron Legendary Defender five big bowls of multicolored lion mech munchie cereal out of five, and I'm looking forward to the many seasons of Voltron that are hopefully to come. I know the mech is already complete, but I really want to be a Voltron paladin. Maybe I can be the lion that transformed into stylish sunglasses or a festive hat or something. I don't know. Uh, from the mouth of babes. <laughs> but seriously, Team Voltron, if you're looking for a new pilot, give me a ring. I would say me too, but I'm not a very good pilot. I'll be a bench warmer. <laughs> Do you have any further thoughts about Voltron before we get out of here? You know what? I mean, everything we've touched on, yes, this was an amazing first season to what I'm hoping will stay an amazing series. When I think of reboots, this is what I want to see. If you're going to reboot something, make it bigger, make it better, make improvements over where the original one failed. For instance, this is what I would like to see if they made a Battle of the Planets reboot. I need them to make it just like this. Battle of the Planets had great ideas, but it just ruined things that the original Gotcha Man did right. I think that if they rebooted Battle of the Planets like they did Voltron, then it would just be perfect. Also, as a quick side note, I was wondering, since none of the lions have manes, does that mean that Voltron completely consists of only female lions? Yes, it's a fembot. It's a fembot. It has to be. Ovaries before broveries. Uh, so what about you? Any final thoughts on the show? Oh, yeah, man. This exceeded my expectations so hard. So hard. Like, I, I went into this still just with the mindset of the old one. Like, okay, I know Pidge is going to be the annoying one. I know this and this and this. And then I'm like, no, like, everything is great. This is fantastic. This is the show, this is the cartoon I was looking for in the absence of Avatar The Last Airbender and Korra. Like, this is the one that's picking up that that feeling and that aesthetic and that sense of humor and that sense of adventure where those left off. This was exactly, this this came out when it was needed. I felt like there's like a hole in animation where there always needs to be a great show like this to fill. And this is doing it. This is doing it exactly the way it should be. And I cannot wait for the next season. 
And, and now I'm trying to decide what my favorite new cartoon of 2016 is. And I'm having trouble between this and Erased. And, and mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of leaning towards this one, but Erased was so good. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you have an opinion? Man, those are just two different. I mean, that's like apples, oranges right there, because they're both yeah. great for different reasons. You can Erased, get juice out of both. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Erased was awesome, but it was a contained story and it's finished so I can appreciate it as that contained story. I don't want that to continue. Like I want yeah. that to be just what it was. Yeah. Whereas Voltron is something that I want to see ongoing. I can't if it ends here, I will be very, very sad. Like that will break my oh, heart if this sense. is the last of it. It wouldn't make any sense. No. So, yeah, they're two different things. They're both amazing in their own rights. So those of you, those of you in the business that are listening, (laughs) you're not. (laughs) Which I'm I'm sure they are. But anyway, if you're planning a reboot of something, take note of what Voltron did because they perfected it. Oh, yeah. The standards now for reboots of cartoons has been set by this show. I can't think of another one off the top of my head that succeeded nearly as much as this has. Well, listeners, it looks like our milk supply has now run dry. So it's time for us to say goodbye. And next week, we'll be watching... Beck Mongolian Chop Squad submitted via Twitter by Jeremy Hausen at Jezza underscore NZ. And once again, I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And we'll see you next Saturday. I'm pointing up. I don't know why. I'm raising a sword. Presented by Nerd Sloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.